0: Hey folks, as always, earmuffs, the cursing is about to start in 30 seconds, if you're listening to this with your kids, stop. Back, we're talking Slayer, that's what we do, that's all we do, mostly. This week's topics, we have three. The second is Slayer without Jeff Hanneman, which was unthinkable until it happened. The third topic is the Big Four Part 2, which covers the American Big Four thrash band concerts and Jeff Hanneman's final show with the band. And first, I will get you up to speed because big developments developed last week. Talking Slayer. This show is a weekly podcast and half-assed audiobook. Every week, I read you a chapter, or two, or three, from my book, which is called Slayer's 66 and Two-Thirds, a Metal Band Biography, the 2023 update, which is the post-mortem edition. That is one of two books I wrote about the band. My name is DX Ferris. D like Dillinger, X like X the Owl, Ferris like the Wheel. Talkin' Slayer is ad-free written, deeply researched, rehearsed, edited, annotated, and member-supported with some production value, like that rad intro music which was played by Nige Savage of the UK black and thrash band Chupacabra. Thank you, Nige. Now, when I say weekly, I mean Patreon supporters get an episode every week, free listeners miss every other episode, And that usually works out being the good ones. Just happens that way. You have three options for support. One is $3 a month, less than a buck an episode. You can do that. Two is $5 a month and you get a cool sticker that says employees must carve Slayer into their forearm before returning to work. That is an official 6623 press policy. Human Resources cleared it. Producer Mitch is in there doing it right now. Option number three is $10 a month, and if you give that much, you get a shout-out on the show every week. Slayer fans all over the world hear me testify about how kind and generous you are. Cool cats like Mike Bassett and Mark Rust make the show happen. Gratitude, fellas. And once your lifetime donations exceed a certain modest dollar amount, You will receive a free audiobook version of this show when it is done. That will be just the chapters, none of my intros, outros, or earmuffs, kids. None of my bullshit. Like this. This will not be in the audiobook. This is episode 39. This week I am reading chapters 48 and 49. The book has 66 chapters. This shit is almost over, folks. Visit Patreon.com slash SlayerBook to jump on the team and come on in for the big win. Patreon.com slash SlayerBook. Here is where we are in the grand story of Slayer. Two weeks ago, in a long episode, you heard a lengthy contrast of the Big Four thrash metal bands. And you heard about the first Big Four concerts, also Slayer's American Carnage tour, And I gave you a brief explanation of what the word big means. Last week, shocking development. Slayer guitarist Jeff Hanneman, the fellow who, at that point, wrote the most and best Slayer material, was bitten by a spider. After that, Jeff contracted a skin infection called necrotizing fasciitis. It almost cost Jeff his arm. It almost cost Jeff his life. He survived with his arm intact, but that was the beginning of the end for his time as a fully operational member of the band and of his life itself. One friend of the program is a member of the slaytron team named David T. Jones. David is a registered nurse. That's David T. Jones, BSN, RN, and he is a BMF besides. Here is how Mr. Jones describes necrotizing fasciitis. It is so good and so grisly. I'm going to add it to the book when I get a minute on the Patreon page. Jones commented, quote, "I work in a healthcare setting where we often treat necrotizing fasciitis. No hyperbole could do justice to how aggressively ravaging that is. The bacteria rapidly consumes flesh." and secretes a waste product toxin that acts to start chemically digesting the next neighboring layer of tissue. We basically have to surgically hack away the infected parts, which is often a lot of flesh, and then cut into healthy tissue to dig a fire trench in hopes of stopping the outward spread. It often takes multiple surgeries under general anesthesia to get the upper hand. Jeff was very, very lucky. He made it at all after delaying his initial care. Also, consider this cause as incredible pain, and he would have been in the ICU on heavy pain meds for an extended time. None of that worked in favor for regaining his playing ability. End quote. So that's what happened to Jeff. For a lot more details and the scenes that culminated in that, buck up and check out the episode. After that, shockingly, shortly, Slayer continued without Jeff. Replacing Jeff Hanneman was an impossible task, but Slayer hit on a brilliant solution. They recruited their old friend, Gary Holt, the main man behind Thrash Great's Exodus. Exodus, one of the bands in the Thrash Fresh Five or Elite Eight. Depends how you score them. So, last week on Talking Slayer, we talked Exodus 2. Next week, we're talking about the slow genesis of Slayer's final record and what they did instead of recording. And in two weeks, it all hits the fan. But this week, back to the grill again. Buckle up. Chapter 48, Slayer Without Hanneman February 26, 2011, Slayer play their first show in their 29-year history without Jeff Hanneman, the founding member who, at that point, had written the band's best and most material. The show took place in Australia at Brisbane's RNA showgrounds. Two years later, spoiler The Brisbane venue would see the live debut of another Slayer lineup. With Hanneman in an American hospital and Slayer on the other side of the world, the new lineup took the stage in daylight, highlighted by red floodlights. With shoulder-length hair and a Schecter V-body guitar, Gary Holt fit in just short of seamlessly with his signature buzzing guitar tone modulated to be closer to Hanneman's shrieking sound. Toward the set's end, Holt's style was most conspicuous, though certainly not out of place, in the guitar harmonies at the beginning of Raining Blood. Check the show notes for video of the full set. The set list was a standard Slayer Festival show with some new tunes, including the live debut of AmeriCon and also some deep cuts. This is the set list. 1. World Painted Blood 2. Hate Worldwide 3. War Ensemble 4. Postmortem 5. Hallowed Point 6. AmeriCon 7. Payback 8. Mandatory Suicide 9. Temptation 10. South of Heaven 11. Raining Blood 12. Black Magic 13. Angel of Death King stayed mobile through the show, putting his body into headbanging. Ariah stood rooted front and center, but his feral sound and tense stance suggested he might leap into the crowd at any minute. Lombardo punished his kid through Angel of Death, and the concert was over. Slayer had done it. Without their co-founder, the band had put on a good show. Then it wasn't long before Slayer, after never changing guitarists in nearly 30 years, added a second replacement player. In April, Exodus was scheduled to open a stadium show for Iron Maiden in South America. Now we talk about who the great metal bands are. Iron Maiden should be in that conversation, certainly, as Slayer should. I have issues with Iron Maiden. I'm not going to bag on them now. You certainly cannot fuck with that early material. I get it. So, faced with that awesome opportunity for Exodus, Gary Holt had to step away from his Slayer gig. Pat O'Brien, guitarist of the death metal cult heroes Cannibal Corpse, filled in in Slayer for seven European shows that month. O'Brien was so determined to nail the gigs that he sometimes skipped the hotel and he just stayed in the dressing room, practicing and stealing himself, getting ready for the show. Dave Lombardo thought that O'Brien handled the gig totally well. Lombardo told the Austrian metal site Stormbringer, quote, Pat was nervous. He was very, very nervous. But he did a great job. He worked so hard. Only had five or six days to practice. He flew in and he immediately went to work in the dressing room. I feel he nailed it. He did everything perfect. But the Shredder was a temporary replacement for the replacement. The group sounded fine. O'Brien capably emulated Hanneman's tone and style. But Holt was back in the lineup as soon as possible. As, said the band, Jeff Hanneman would be. March 30, 2011, Slayer made a note in a press release announcing that they would work with a replacement. Quote, Hanneman has amazed his doctors with his speedy recovery from an infection thought to have been caused by a spider bite. Following surgery on his right arm, he continues his physical therapy and has already been practicing with his guitar. End quote. A year later, Slayer's May 2012 statement filled in some crucial details they had omitted at the time. Two months after surgery, Hanneman was still in the hospital, dosed with strong antibiotics, undergoing painful skin graft surgeries, and recovering at a pace that was encouraging, but maddeningly slow. Soon, though, Hanneman was back on stage with the band it looked like his absence would be brief. Gratitude. Undisputed gratitude. This show is brought to you by my books, which you can get at the Amazon. And also, it's brought to you by generous Patreon supporters, including but not limited to these cats, Daryl's Whammy Bar. Dave Mack, Chris, the Damned Master, Ryan Dussault, Stigma, Vince, no friender of the ThrashMetalShow.com, Howard H. Smith of the podcast Talking Bullocks, Good Show, Paul Kellett, David Jones, aforementioned dude, who is a king among men, and also Craig Bringman, who is no slouch himself. Thank you. You can be there, too. Sign up at patreon.com slash Slayer Back to the show. Chapter 49, The Big Four, Part 2. One of the biggest metal shows in American history saw Jeff Hanneman take the stage and perform with Slayer for a final time. The first U.S. Big Four concert took place on April 23, 2011 at the Empire Polo Club in Indio, California, the site of the renowned Coachella Festival. Coincidentally, it was 28 years to the day after the show where Hanneman met Catherine. Doug Goodman, tour manager Doug, Slayer's old tour manager, ongoing friend, was backstage for the monumental occasion. He made this observation about that historic concert, quote, I prefer to call it the Slayer show that Metallica closed, end quote. <laughs> Doug always has great stuff to say. Doug should write his own book. I would read it. Doug is awesome. Anyhow, going into the show, fans expected another set with Holt. And they got one. But Slayer had a surprise up their sleeves. In the weeks leading up to the show, Hanneman had been practicing with the band. The group were rehearsing four songs with its original guitarist, who was still far from full recuperation. At that point, the group had not revealed the extent of Hanneman's condition. Knowing what they knew, they were glad that he could play at all. The fact that he could even take the stage was inspiring. A year later, when the band shared the full details of Hanneman's condition immediately following the surgery, fans would find out just how hard Hanneman to work to even be able to step onto the stage, not to mention play. After the physical ordeals of the surgeries, the coma, the recovering process, and the ongoing rehab, Hanneman did not just have to learn how to play again. Following those medically necessary body horrors, Hanneman could not even walk. When he was well enough to get out of bed, he had to learn how to balance and put one foot in front of the other. Once he could walk, Hanneman tried to get his arms to work their magic again. But as the landmark concert approached, the tunes were not shaping up. The day of the show, Cary King made the call. Hanneman's playing was not up to snuff. His cameo was cut short from four songs to two. Kerry King later revealed to Nicky Black of the radio show Metal Zone, I said, dude, don't show anybody your weakness right now. People are going to be stoked to see it. If you go up there for four songs, people are going to start focusing on you and they're going to see that you're not playing that good. Do yourself a favor. Do two songs, have your big fucking moment, and leave it at that. End quote. Hanneman did have his big moment, and it was his final moment. As Anthrax and Megadeth played their sets, Hanneman geared up in the dressing room. Even friends who were close enough to score backstage passes were surprised to find out that Hanneman was on hand. Slayer played their usual set with Gary Holt. That set was World Painted Blood, Hate Worldwide, War Ensemble, Postmortem, Raining Blood, Black Magic, Dead Skin Mask, Silent Scream, The Antichrist, Americon, Payback, Seasons in the Abyss, and Snuff. But Gary Holt did not return for the encore. Behind a wall of marshals, Hanneman snuck toward the stage, his gait askew. He looked ten years older than he had a year ago. Now his skin was wrinkled, nose swollen, hair longer than ever, goatee and head blended blonde and gray. Weakened and hurt, he was still dressed for war. He wore his customary hockey pads on his shin, the black armor that matched the rest of his outfit. The Baroque intro of South of Heaven echoed over the crowd. Green and white lights washed over the stage. The crowd roared and surged. Lombardo walked up to the kit, black ball cap on backward. King entered from stage left. Jeff Hanneman stood just off the stage, waiting to go on, wearing a black long sleeved shirt over his scarf, scared to show his damage. Then he decided, after a near-death experience and a long walk back, He was not about to turn shy. Hanneman said, Fuck it. He tore the right sleeve off his shirt, revealing the long, thick lines of pink scar tissue on his pale white arm. And he strolled onto the stage, right hand raised defiantly. At the same time, next to Hanneman, Ariah drifted on from stage right. The crowd was loud and they roared more when they realized the second guitarist was not Holt. It was Hanneman. Jeff was back. The short, unannounced appearance barely lasted ten minutes for South of Heaven and Angel of Death. Several photographers were on hand for the concert, but the best pictures came from Andrew Stewart, the official photographer of the Rick Sales Entertainment Group, Slayer's Managers. With unrestricted access, the ace hovered at the back of the stage and captured one last, unforgettable image of Hanneman performing. Back turned to the crowd, altered arm exposed, Hanneman strums his customized black ESP guitar, standing in the wash from a white spotlight. The crowd is invisible in a swath of darkness. Behind the guitarist, colored lights dot the horizon. A wisp of red smoke surrounds Hanneman, casting a long shadow toward the camera. He looks like he's on a platform, hovering above the world. On videos from that show, Hanneman's fingers are moving fast, and he's not just pretending to play. He's plugged in, you can hear him. No question the performance was a tough one. Later, in a frank appraisal, King said it was not exactly a triumphant return. King told Nikki Black he wasn't ready for that. I think we all thought that might jumpstart him and get him going down a more hardcore road to recovery, but he wasn't ready for that. End quote. Nobody knew it at the time, but Hanneman would never appear on stage with Slayer again. The Big Four Road Show continued, playing three more European festivals, two of those were Sonosphere shows. Then, that chapter of metal history ended with a show at New York City's new Yankee Stadium on September 14th, 2011. For generations of metal fans, the shows were a nice commemorative event. Reviews were mixed, though. Plenty of fans felt that they were worth $100 a ticket, how can you say they weren't, and they walked away happy on general principle having seen all Big Four bands in one single setting. Professional metalheads had seen the bands many times before, long ago, and were not blown away. Website Metal Sucks, one of the great metal websites, live snarked the event and had the best time during Slayer's set. Axel Rosenberg, one of the mighty founders and marquee writers of Metal Sucks, good dude, wrote, quote, with Ariah unable to headbang, Lombardo obviously being tied to the drums, and Holt really being a guest, this has become the Cary King show. I've never seen him move around so much on stage before. It's like they gave him cocaine right before he went on. Dead skin mask, there are three, four good-sized pits in the general admission section. But the fact that the entire crowd isn't trying to kill each other is a little disappointing. Especially since, at least based on how many people earlier claimed to be seeing anthrax live for the first time, I'm assuming it's mostly young folks in there. End quote. Even the New York Times covered the event. The venerable institution called it down the middle and declared Slayer the winner. Ben Ratliff wrote, quote, Metallica's two-hour-plus set earned its top billing with lasers, flashpots, and fireworks. Every member of the band performed proprietary stage prances, individual solos, and strategic crowd-pumping. After 30 years, they're good at this. Anthrax have always been lower-key than their California counterparts, the opposite of how these things usually play out in American music and they used their easy disposition to their advantage. Whether the problem was his neck or something else, there was a sense of distance in Mustaine's performance. He didn't get all the way in. Slayer did, though. For a memorable 40 minutes or so, Yankee Stadium became a dark and contemplative place. Rhythmically, it swung, unlike Metallica, whose rhythm often grew unstable and plodding especially in recent songs" end quote. this time unlike the big four concert we talked about in europe slayer did join the rest of the bands for a big jam at the end of the show a dense rage through motorhead's overkill this was metal's finest in one of the world's great venues that was worth an appearance in the two american concerts thrash's combined might Generated ten million at the gate alone, which was a big take, but apparently not enough for anybody to retire. Next week, more. Thank you for listening to Talk and Slayer, a podcast and half-assed audio book by your pal Ferris. To support the show and learn more, visit patreoncom slayerbook S-L-A-Y-E-R-B-O-O-K Patreon.com Slayer Book No S on the end Credits and crucial thanks Podcast artwork is by Jason Shank of Midwest Authenticity Consultants Unless otherwise noted, all the rad music Is by Nige Savage, the aggressive perfecter Also of the awesome UK thrash band Chupacabra Check them out. From the hit podcast Spanking It with Julio, the producer is Mitch Kramer, The Spirit in Black, The Dog is Wolfie, audio technical consultants are Matt Wardlaw, The Tormentor, Forrest Gabbage of Southbound Tracks, codenamed Gemini, Jessica Baxter of the Paid and Puke podcast, and Stargate Pioneer and everyone at the Gunna Geek Network. Consultant for Audiovisual Affairs and Irish History is James Ferris of Massive Media. The beta test group is Vince Bloom, Craig Cohen, Steve O, your older brother Sam, Bruno McDonald, Jason Pettigrew, Outer Nowhere, Sue Madre, and Mike Olszewski. The Slatanic archivists are Jamie Walters, Tony Alberts, Spar Schmidt, Chris Bade, Paul from Dropgun. Paul from Slayerized, and Nicholas, the Slayer collector. Ongoing thanks to metal mentors and radio dudes, including but not limited to Ed Rohr, Brian Biggs, Randy Fox, and Dean B. True. Additional Shingy, courtesy Captain Shum and the Concerned Party Lembe Squad. Expert consultation by Nate Runkle, the catalyst, also of Yo, That's My John, good show. Howard H. Smith of Acid Rain and Talking Bullocks, aka The Captor of Sin. No Friender of The Thrash Metal Show and the When It Was Cool Podcast Network. And Ryan J. Downey, The Ghost of War, also of the Speaking Destroy podcast. Thanks. I heart ends. I heart ends all. A lot. Partial list of people that I wish were still here. Sumner J. Ferris. Nora Ferris. Vera Lehane. Ron Forsyth, Lori Martin, Audrey Sapisi, Donald Shevsky, and Tom Morrissey. Jeff Hanneman too, obviously, but I did not know him personally. If you have a different opinion, you are right and I am wrong. If you have questions or you want to rap, you can find me online. At Twitter, I am SlayerBook, no S. On Insta, I am SlayerBooks, with an S on the end. On Facebook, SlayerBook, no S. Buy the book and you can find an email address in it. The book Slayer 66 and 2 3rds, a metal band biography, the 2023 post-mortem update is published by 6623 Press. It is a very reasonably priced paperback and a very cheap Kindle ebook. 6623 Press makes useful, reasonably priced, unconventional, creator-owned books about popular culture, success, and other cool stuff. This podcast is a production of 6623 Press and mostly things. The easiest place to find my books is Amazon, but select retailers have them too. If you're a retailer and you don't have them, but you want them, hit me up. Thank you for listening. More next time. Peace. I really enjoy this. I hope you do too. Appreciate you listening. Have a good one. Power off.